1: This is the California Report. Good morning, I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. The investigation continues into this past weekend's oil spill off the coast of Orange County, with attention now focused on a cargo container vessel named the Rotterdam Express. The German-owned ship is currently docked in the port of Oakland, and according to the Associated Press, investigators have boarded the vessel. It was anchored near the site of the oil spill for more than a week before the pipeline owned by Amplify Energy ruptured. And according to Marine Navigation Tracking Services, the vessel made several abrupt moves, which put it over the pipeline in question prior to the first reports of oil in the water last Friday. Hapeg Lloyd, the ship's owner, denies any role in the spill, but says it will cooperate with the investigation. Investigators want to collect the vessel's tracking and navigational information. One theory is that the ship's anchor caught the pipeline and dragged it until it ruptured. Meanwhile, Amplify Energy is under increased scrutiny. CEO and President Martin Wilshire was asked multiple times during a news conference yesterday about reports that Amplify delayed shutting down the pipeline for at least three hours after receiving a pressure drop alarm early Saturday morning.
0: There was no lag in communication at 8.09 a.m. we communicated back to the platforms. The first call goes to our incident response commander which is with O'Brien's, then we start notifying agencies. With O'Brien's also notifies agencies as well. So there is there was no lag in communication from the time that we we're aware that all was on water.
1: Wilshire also said it's unclear if an alarm did sound, despite the initial findings from the U.S. Department of Transportation, that it went off in the company control room around 2.30 Saturday morning. A firm conclusion by federal investigators about what happened and who's responsible will likely take months. Concerns continue about the oil spill's effects on wildlife and the ecosystem. The Oiled Wildlife Care Network is in charge of rescue and rehabilitation efforts. As of last night, 19 living birds have been rescued, but five were found dead. Five snowy plovers have been collected and are alive. The plover is a federally threatened species. Michael Zaccardi is director of the Oiled Wildlife Care Network and says rescuers are ready to help other threatened
2: wildlife. We're fortunate in California to have a robust marine mammal stranding network. We currently have two facilities on standby in case marine mammals are found, Pacific Marine Mammal Center in Laguna Beach and SeaWorld San Diego.
1: Sicardi says while rehabilitation is important at these facilities, they also need to keep an eye on long-term health problems.
2: For marine mammals in this area, oftentimes the effects are more chronic or long-term. Uh, we learned during Deepwater Horizon that inhalation of fumes can cause problems for the lungs and other issues related to ingestion, so the initial impacts may be more chronic in nature. Sicardi says it's still too early to tell how much of an effect the
1: spill will have on area wildlife, but one good thing is many summer migrating birds had already left the area, and winter migrating birds won't arrive until later this month or early November. Meanwhile, yesterday I got a closer look at where the spill happened. I traveled there with other journalists aboard the Coast Guard cutter Terrell Horn. After leaving the port of LA, we passed lots of cargo vessels with shipping containers stacked on their decks like giant Legos. The vessels were anchored as they waited for approval to dock in the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach. Our destination was a patch of ocean off of Orange County next to an offshore oil platform. Here's Coast Guard Petty Officer Steve Strohmeyer.
0: Right now we're offshore of Huntington Beach, right near uh, the rigs, the the rigs that were affected from the oil spill. Both of these rigs here have a pipeline that feeds into the Huntington Beach area. That pipeline suffered a crack sometime late Friday night, was shut down shortly thereafter.
1: But once we got to the scene, honestly, it was hard to tell a big oil spill had even happened here. So we've arrived near where the uh, pipe ruptured, and I'm looking at Platform Ellie, one of the oil platforms here off the coast of Orange County. And at least to a layperson, at least to the naked eye, you can't really tell whether there's been an oil spill here. Uh, the waters are pretty dark at the moment, so you don't know. Uh, you can't clearly see petroleum in them. There's the faint width of something in the air that could be petroleum, or the smell of oil, uh, but it could also just be all the other industrial activity happening on the water here, from the oil platforms to all the shipping traffic. But whether or not we can see it or smell it as much as 144,000 gallons of oil may have spilled into these waters. And Petty Officer Strohmeyer says protecting the maritime environment and beaches from damage is a priority of the Coast Guard and other agencies.
0: Our biggest thing right now is the cleanup efforts and the safety of the public and the wildlife. Right now there are vessels you know, nearby that are skimming the water to clean up oil sheens that have been located. Again, some of these oil sheens have been dispersing uh, naturally due to weathering, and some of them have moved further south uh, due to the currents. But either way, we still have vessels out there skimming the water. We have people on land, and then we also have overflights that are taking place.
1: Again, that's Coast Guard Petty Officer Steve Strohmeyer talking to the California report off the coast of Huntington Beach. Officials say that by tomorrow, 1,500 people could be in place on Orange County's beaches to help with cleanup
2: efforts. Support for this podcast comes from Outdoor Supply Hardware, inviting listeners to Osh's big anniversary sale celebration, May 20th through the 26th, featuring daily deals, $15,000 in giveaways, 20% off storewide on Saturday and Sunday, and a lot more. Learn more at Osh.com.
3: with an original soundscape that drops you directly into their shoes. Snap Judgment. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
1: You can add L.A. to the growing list of cities with a strict COVID-19 vaccine mandate for indoor places. Yesterday, Los Angeles' City Council passed an ordinance requiring proof of vaccination to enter many indoor businesses, city-owned buildings, and large events. With more, here's KCRW's
4: Benjamin Gottlieb. This covers all types of businesses, from coffee shops and restaurants to museums, nail salons, and yoga studios. Anyone who is eligible for a COVID-19 vaccine must show proof that they've got the jab before entering those locations.
0: We can't afford to have another shutdown again.
4: That's LA City Attorney Mike Feuer, whose office wrote the ordinance.
0: How many of us know people, senior citizens, families, who are reluctant to go? To these locations like restaurants and so on because they're not sure if other people are vaccinated or not.
4: There are legitimate medical and religious exemptions but there's concern especially among members of the business community that the new rules may become confusing. Stuart Waldman heads up a business group called the Valley Industry and Commerce Association.
1: Going from North Hollywood it's a quick jump over to Burbank uh, and if they're not going to be enforcing the same rules Uh, that lacks consistency.
4: The city of Los Angeles is the largest in LA County, but there are 87 others sandwiched together, each with their own, often looser, rules. Enforcement by the city is still a little unclear, but it will start in earnest on November 29th. For the California Report, I'm Benjamin Gottlieb in Los Angeles.
1: Meanwhile, Bay Area health officials are expected to announce criteria later today for when the region might be able to lift its indoor mask mandates. The criteria will include metrics that cities and counties would have to hit to end masking indoors, like COVID-19 case rates, hospitalizations, and vaccine rates. Most Bay Area health officials restored the mask mandate in early August, despite high vaccination rates across much of the region. Only Solano County currently doesn't have regulation in place requiring masks to be worn in most indoor public settings.
2: Support for the California Report comes from Real California Milk, reminding listeners to take three simple steps to recycle gallon milk jugs. Pour it, cap it, bin it. Learn more at recyclethejug.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement, and Blue Shield of California, rebuilding the future of health care with every Californian in mind, from quality and equitable care to not-for-profit values. Learn more at news.blueshieldca.com.
1: Let's turn to the environment. And does this ring familiar? As California's drought persists, there's once again attention on saving water and a renewed push to make our homes and gardens so, uh, more water efficient.
0: Put that in the hole and let's see where we are. Uh, we go down just a little, okay, bit, yeah, a little bit more.
1: We saw this recently in Los Angeles' Eagle Rock neighborhood, where with a little digging help from Mayor Eric Garcetti, drought-tolerant trees and plants were being planted in the front yard of a single-family home after the grass turf had been ripped out.
2: Turf is really at the top of the water users.
1: Expert gardener Marion Simon is leading this front yard makeover. She says if you want to save water in a warmer urban or suburban environment, tearing out grass is key.
2: So what we estimate in Southern California is turf uses about four feet of water a year compared to let's say, a California native, which only uses like 10 to 12 inches. So it's a, a 75% water savings.
1: We Speaking before he got his hands dirty planting, Mayor Garcetti said L.A. and many other California cities are ready to help people drought-proof their gardens with incentives like free drought-tolerant plants, mulch,
4: and compost. My message is clear. This is easy, it's cheap, and if you don't do it, you are contributing to our climate emergency.
1: In recent years, Garcetti says L.A. has replaced 51 million square feet of grass turf, saving more than 2 billion gallons of water. But this year, at least so far, Californians don't appear to be in a water-saving state of mind. In July, Governor Newsom asked state residents for a 15 percent voluntary reduction in water use. But according to the most recent numbers, water consumption is only down about 2 percent statewide. And in some places, like San Diego and L.A., water use has actually ticked up slightly. California Natural Resources Secretary Wade Crowfoot thinks people have been preoccupied with other things and only have so much headspace left over to think about the drought.
4: I think that Californians have been focused on navigating through the pandemic, getting their kids back to school, figuring out their job situation, mm-hmm.
1: other things on their mind. Crowfoot says if the drought persists through the winter, California might impose mandatory water reduction mandates, but he says he's reluctant to do it any sooner. Yeah, I think, you know, we're very sensitive about mandates on on residents for a couple of reasons. One, you know, all of us want to live our lives um, the way that we want to, and it's challenging when a government entity tells us what we need to do but also because Californians have stepped up um, before and we want to make sure that um, we are judicious about the use of mandates so that they'll step up again. John Gagenhuber felt like he had no choice but to step up. He volunteered his home for this drought-tolerant transformation after seeing how California was changing around him because of climate change. I was just thinking, I was just telling the mayor last year, uh, this place was a, uh, The San Gabriels were all on fire up here. We'd wake up to these red sunrises and all choked with smoke, and it was a hellscape. And the, the, the UN climate report has just come out, and it's gotten worse, and Lake Mead is, you know, shrinking, and
3: it's... Uh, it's
1: so to you, this is like, hey, I can't change all of that, but I can change what's in my front yard. I can do my little part. And although rain is in the forecast for much of California this week, we're still very much in a drought. And finally this morning, one of baseball's biggest rivalries will finally be showcased in the postseason as the Los Angeles Dodgers have advanced to the National League Division Series to take on the San Francisco Giants. Chris Taylor hit a dramatic two-run home run in the bottom of the ninth inning last night, leading the Dodgers to a 3-1 win over the St. Louis Cardinals. Here's Taylor after the game.
0: These are the type of moments that um, you dream about and you live for and um, you know I'll be able to look back on this for the rest of my life.
1: The best of five series between the Dodgers and Giants begins tomorrow night at Oracle Park in San Francisco with the first pitch scheduled for just after 6.30. And that is the California Report for Thursday, October 7th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening
2: and talk to you tomorrow. Support for the California Report comes from Real California Milk, reminding listeners to take three simple steps to recycle gallon milk jugs. Pour it, cap it, bin it. Learn more at RecycleTheJug.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. And Blue Shield of California, rebuilding the future of health care with every Californian in mind, from quality and equitable care to not-for-profit values. Learn more at news.blueshieldca.com. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.
3: Did you ever wonder what it's like to live alone, hidden in the woods, not speaking to a single soul for 30 years? or wander the desert, uncover a hidden well, and dive to the bottom of the deepest water hole for 2,000 miles. The Snap Judgment podcast takes you there with amazing stories told by the people who live them with an original soundscape that drops you directly into their shoes. Snap Judgment. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.